touch it in the event that it is poisonous. You look further down the cave and you can see a bluish purple aura emanating from a side tunnel. The rocks are treacherous, but you take your time and cross them with relative ease. The cave isn't quiet, however. There are voices that can be heard much further down the cave. Still, you attempt to move as quietly as possible, to avoid anyone finding you. The bag on your back is heavy, but you need it for your essentials. Your bow and quiver, full of arrows, is situated next to your backpack, so you can grab them quickly. Your mace sits at your opposite hip, ready to bash. You reach the side tunnel, and you gaze into the opening. Your mouth drops as you observe the ceiling radiating and pulsing with azure, violet, and mauve. The colors reflect off of pools of water on the ground from the moisture in the cave system, creating a light show just for you. You sit there marveling at this glorious sight. You manage to snap out of your stupor when you hear footsteps from another tunnel across the room. You loosen your mace from your hip and grip it tightly with both of your hands, ready to deliver a deadly blow. The hair on the lynx bristles and it lowers its shoulders, entering a stealth mode that enables it to pounce on the nearest enemy. Its teeth gleam in the ethereal lights of the room, both beautiful and terrifying. Into the room enters three goblins. They are unaware of your presence, so you hastily slide behind a large rock with the eager feline following behind you. You let the creatures move past you, seeing blades in their hands. Their backs are to you. Now's the time to strike, you think to yourself. You look at the lynx and meet its gaze. You nod at your trusty companion, and it acknowledges your intentions with a silent, toothy snarl. You suddenly burst out from behind the rock, leaping into the clearing. The goblins hear a rustling and slowly begin to turn around. As you are coming down, you bring your mace down with you. Welcome to this episode of Evoking the Sublime. The scene I have set for you could be a whole host of games. Today, 
I want to discuss an action role-playing game that released for Windows in 2009 and Xbox 360 in 2011. A game that was created by the one and only Runic Games, Torchlight. For those who have never heard of this game, Torchlight is a game that was clearly inspired by the likes of the Diablo series. It is what many call a dungeon crawler and loot game, as you traverse through mazes of corridors in search of enemies to lay waste to, and to find the sweetest, rarest loot that one can find underneath the earth. The creation of Torchlight started in Seattle, America, by Travis Baldry, Max Schaefer, Eric Schaefer, and Peter Hugh. After having created Runic Games back in 2008 in order to keep each other together post having worked on the game Mythos, they decided to work on a new action RPG style video game. The creation of Runic Games came shortly after the closure of Flagship Studios. The 14 members that were working on developing Mythos were all hired at Runic Games. They aimed to create Torchlight to have a sense of completion after losing the rights to Mythos. They worked on the game from scratch, having none of the assets that they used creating Mythos. The goal of the team was to make a large MMO, having been influenced by Diablo. They were working on the single player first, looking to include the MMO aspect of it a year later. By focusing on the single player first, they felt that they could effectively add the detail and polish that they hoped to infuse their game with. It also allowed them to show the world the new IP that was being developed by the team. The team was given 11 months to develop the game. The team of 20 plus people that were working on Torchlight all worked in the same office. Often, if they ever had any questions or concerns, they would turn around in their chair and just talk to the intended party. Schaefer stated that it was the most fun he had ever had while doing game development. The team chose to name and design the character archetypes something more unique, allowing them to not be pigeonholed in a specific style of play. The Destroyer was a character designed to be primarily a melee fighter. The Alchemist was a character that was designed like a pseudo-battle mage. The Vanquisher was designed as a mercenary ranged character. However, all of these characters can dabble into the other characters' abilities, becoming more of a hybrid. They also had planned to integrate deeper character customization for the MMO portion of the game. When working on the art style, art director Jason Beck took influence from classic animated films and comic books. In multiple interviews, they described the style as Dragon's Lair meets The Incredibles. They opted to not go with a gothic dark tone, but instead choosing a lighter tone. Matt Ullman, Diablo composer, joined to work on the sound and music production of Torchlight. He incorporated some basic elements from when he designed Diablo, 
but he also wanted to give Torchlight its own distinct sound. He used a 12-string guitar to record many takes. He also used a pedal steel guitar and attempted to create a sound unique to Torchlight. In 2010, it was revealed that Torchlight was in production to be brought to Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3. In 2011, Runic announced that the PlayStation 3 launch was no longer going to happen, but Microsoft would include Torchlight on their Xbox Live Arcade. Because multiple components of the game needed an overhaul, such as the graphical interface and the controls, they became more heavily involved in the PC to console port. Runic Games partnered with Perfect World Company in order to publish the MMO version of Torchlight worldwide. After the release of the first Torchlight, the team decided to integrate some co-op multiplayer into the sequel, Torchlight 2, putting the MMO version on hold. Eventually, in 2012, the team told the media that they were no longer planning on releasing an MMO for Torchlight. It's important to note that one problem that the team had to be cognizant of when creating and developing Torchlight was gaming addiction. Around the time of development, multiple media outlets were reporting on gaming addiction, as there had been reports of people in China and other countries fainting or dying from exhaustion of playing games. The development team was attempting to figure out how to integrate microtransactions into the game without including a monthly fee in order to minimize the potential for addiction among gamers. They also wanted to create an experience with the single player that could be enjoyed in short bursts of time. There were no grinding missions, keeping the missions short. Now this month's episode will be a little bit shorter as um, I, the host, spent half of my August on vacation. So I haven't had as much time this month to prepare an episode. So unfortunately, this episode will be shorter. But look out for next month's episode as it will be back to full length and hopefully paired with an interview this time. Thank you very much for tuning in to Evoking the Sublime. I'm your host, Shay. Enjoy your day. <laughs>